back to another special episode of the App Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce. It's show episode 148, and I'm joined on the line once again by my co-host, Sneaky Pete. How are you tonight, Pete? Hey, Bruce. Hey, everybody. It's good to be back. Uh, I just was telling Bruce I got a new job, so I've been very busy lately. But I love the job, and I love magic. Let's keep talking about it. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, our content is on the Lotus Council website, as always. Um, and circulating on various Discord servers. And this uh, this special episode is, is brought to you by Air Canada Liquid Death uh, Water, I think it's called, and uh, Cirque du Soleil. So there you go, Bruce. Go take us away. Are we... <laughs> <laughs> Cirque du Soleil, if you're out there and you actually want to sponsor us, like we're totally down with that. I'll ask somebody. Uh, or, 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 liquid de- or Liquid Death Water. You too out there. We'd love some Liquid Death Water. Um, all right, perfect. Yeah, but obviously, folks, if you want to get a hold of us, um, please check the show notes. Will be have all the information. You can check us out how to get a hold of us. We'd love to get. We'd love to hear from our audience. So yeah. please, please, please reach out. All right, ready to go? Yeah, let's 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 run it down, man. Let's do it. Okay, here we go. Okay, we're gonna start with some garbage or great. Um, tonight, my garbage great is a little bit of a package deal because I've been looking at some. Uh, Wilds of Eldraine stuff, and I'm like, some of these cards, I mean, they're designed to play together, I understand that, but I'm wondering if this isn't going to lead into something a little bit more interesting. So, basically, Pete, yeah. um, I've been drafting some Wilds of Eldraine, oh, and, me too. <laughs> the, and yeah. the blue-white archetype is just the worst. Oh it's yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that they're all bad cards. So one of the cards that really got my attention was Hilda herself. So Hilda is um, the mythic, I believe it's a mythic. Yes, that's correct. A mythic legendary creature. So two white blue for a three, four legendary creature, human warlock. And whenever you tap an untapped creature, an opponent controls, you may pay one. When you do, choose one. Create a four, four white blue elemental creature token. Put a one plus one plus one counter on each creature you control. Or, or scry to then draw a card. Um, and this really got me thinking, because this seems like a really interesting commander, uh, because it's got the ability to flood the board with tokens, to pump them all into hum- humongous sizes, and then to even fuel some card draw. Um, and there's some really good tools that are going to enable her, like Hilda's Crown of Winter, which is an artifact that ta- is three generic to cast, is a legendary artifact, one and a tap, tap target creature, this activated ability costs one less to activate during your turn. So in other words, on your turn, it's just free. Um, and three, and sacrifice Hilda's crown of winter, draw a card for each tap creature your opponent's control. And then the third comp- component that I sort of was keeping an eye on was Sheree of Numbing Depths, which is another two, uh, another four mana legendary creature, but this is a merfolk wizard. So uh, two white blue for two, three. When Sheree of Numbing Depths enters the battlefield, tap target creature, which sort of jives really well with uh, what our friend uh, Hilda wants, um, then put a stun counter on it. And then whenever you tap one or more untapped creatures in opponent's control, draw a card. This ability only triggers once each turn. So the combination of these three cards really got me thinking about what blue-white does in Commander. And sort of the prevailing archetypes, Pete, would you, would you agree with me, are generally... You either get like the blue white flying archetype, where you get like Genji or 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 like a like a skies or like archetype, 
or you get like a blue white hard control shell. Would you sort of agree? I guess it's it's hard because like I've I've made several blue white decks over the years. Um, I had a Tameshi deck at one point. I had uh, the OG Sig River Guide. Uh, that one was really fun, but also annoying for players because protection is complicated. Um, yeah, and, you know, and every single way I tried to build it, I had Timon and Rhoda, which we're going to talk about because that was the precursor to Hilda's car design and everything. Yeah. Um, but like those colors, it just naturally becomes a control deck. Um, no matter how you sort of slice it, unfortunately, there's just yeah, not so... much out there to, yeah, like to well, like break it a little bit. And I know that you had mentioned when you look at this card, it, it it screams tempo, but in my mind, it still screams control. But you're able to kill people quicker than you were before, um, with the board state uh, manipulation. Um, but that's just on the surface. I think there are some really neat things you can do with this particular trio that um, that would be cool, like, uh, you know, convoking things or uh, even using, like, alters, effects, and turning things into artifacts with, like, liquid metal coating and then mm -hmm. tapping and untapping things would be interesting, uh, potentially. Oh, that sounds but, fun. That sounds that's. That does sound fun, I have to say. Anyway, before we get too far down this path, I mean, yeah. am I going down the wrong path with these three cards? Like, are these are these cards potentially low key great cards that are going to like sort of redefine the way blue white does things? Because like, like, I view this as like a tempo control deck, and like the control component is that you're controlling the board state rather than just wiping the board away which is sort of how Blue-White has traditionally sort of done it. And then what you're doing is that because you're not wiping the board away, you're then, it's incumbent upon you to be able to build a board state, to be able to leverage the fact that your opponents are tapped down and struggling to keep blockers up, and you're going to, you can continue to keep tempoing them out by fueling your card draw with Hilda, leading to a situation where you can, bash their brains in with either four four elementals or other things and i i kind of like this like this tempo sort of ice the style idea or am, is this just leaning back into like just another you know hard control deck that's just gonna be an oppressive problem for the board for your opponents to deal with what do you I, think i just i still think that it's just divulges into this sort of uh, oppressive uh, oh, play style. Makes me, makes I know. me sad. I mean, I'm so looking, much... like I'm looking at blue white, right? Like a lot of the commanders out there, right? Mm -hmm. And even the interesting, in quotes, interesting ones, like Hanna's ships, navigate or something, like that. Um, even Harbin, when I had Harbin built, it it's just using white to make up more bodies than your opponent, killing your opponent with going wide. And using blue to control the board so you get to have the advantage and they don't. And, like, I think just Hilda yeah. screams that, like, as a signpost. Um, unfortunately. Because I like it, too. I think the card is neat. But... Yeah, I think, you're, I think you're probably right. As much as it <laughs> makes me sad. Like, I, so I was kind of got excited about this. And I sort of sit down, like, to, to kick around a list. And we'll sure. put the list in the show notes, folks. And you can go and have a look for yourself and see what my first kick at a Hilda deck would look like. 
And I kind of liked it because for starters, a lot of the pieces were inexpensive. Um, the whole deck came to under a hundred dollars, which, That's and great. I don't think it was, I don't think it was, um, you know, it definitely had a game plan so that if you sat down and you wanted to, you know, play, you could very clearly sit down and play with people and actually have a dedicated plan. And I think there's some really interesting cards. I think like Hilda and the, the, the requisite parts that tap and untap your opponent's stuff. Um, and then Verity Circle are like, would just create a fuel, like a stream of cards to your hand that are just going to make your opponent, like bury your opponents in card advantage. Right. Um, you know, the only issue you run into is that you're just not going to kill your opponent. See, now, so I disagree with ahead. that just because of the mm-hmm. fact that if, if you can get her big enough, like quickly, and you have mm. a few big, big, beefy bodies as well. Like maybe you make two four fours and you make them eight eights pretty quickly. True. Um, I, I, I seriously think that the overall uh, damage output is a lot higher than we would expect a card like this to put out. Hmm. Um, but I mean, maybe we have right. to. I mean, we'll have to wait and see. But when I played Timon and Rhoda, it was like over before turn eight, usually. Um, really, which, so, which, in, yeah. which, in, which in a casual pod is pretty, pretty, it's pretty quick. It's pretty quick. I mean, there's lots. They're going to still going to be decks that are going to be looking to set up. Um, particularly mm-hmm. if you have a more expensive commander, you're still going to look. They're going to be still like in the process of setting up their board state, and you could be closing it out with. I mean, I maybe maybe you're Hilda, right. Hilda Hilda is like Hilda is like um, you know, like the Ice Queen makes like little ice like minions. It's kind of like. You could easily just play all the board, like the choose a creature board wipe. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like choose yeah. one, and you could rebuild yeah. it fast too. So the I other suppose. thing is like the resiliency of Hilda as a card. Um, it, I think it's a kill on site card. Uh, as immediately, I think, I think you're probably right because like the fact this is really an army in a can, yeah. and that's what this is, folks. Like this is a sort of like reason I'm drawn to this is because there's just so much value stapled to Hilda that you. Mm-hmm. Like you can you can enable this so so well, and um, she I mean, like, just does everything. She's like she's like a Swiss Army knife, right? For like, so if you right. need bodies, if you need bodies, she'll make bodies. You need to make them bigger, she'll make them bigger. You need to you need to fuel some card draw. Well, fuel some card draw, and you're digging like a full three cards deep mm-hmm. every time. Right. Like is that a pre is that a preordain effect there? Um, yeah, on her? yeah. Um... And so it's, you're getting a preordain. Sorry. Yeah, you should get a preordain on, on this creature on on her on, every time you go and do the thing. And I think that's really really potent. Like preordain is a very strong card. There's you know been arguments for it to be like I'm looking at it here and it is like almost uniformly above five bucks in most of the decks, with the exception of like there's a Commander Legends card that is worth $1.70. But like all the other prints are expensive. Like the preordains from is even in like the the Middle Earth, like the Lord of the Rings set as a you know seven dollar common. So like the card's potent and you're getting it for free stapled Hilda. Meaning this thing has like there's no doubt this thing has legs if you can enable it. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just wondering if it's I'm just so I think, I mean, I think what you and I are both saying here without having said it is that the 
Hilda could be great. Just she's probably not going to be fun because. Right. So like we're going to get into this later in the show as well. Um, just how do we balance these two concepts? Right. Because mm-hmm. my type of fun might not be Bruce's type of fun. Um, and like maybe this deck would be interesting the first 10 times you play it and then you shelve it for a while. Um, yeah. It's one of those situations where like I don't think they realized how powerful that sort of triggered ability is. Well, um, I, th- I think I disagree with you. I think they knew damn well how impressive it, how powerful and impressive <laughs> it is. I think they just, I think that's why they nerfed a lot of the other blue white components around it in draft. So that, like, unless you that's get, true. like, you, you get all you get, of the like, signpost cards, right? Like, yeah. If, yeah. You get the, if you get all the top cheese stuff, your blue white deck is going to smash. But if you're getting the subpar bits and pieces because the other top cards are desirable by other archetypes, then you're going to find that the blue-white deck sort of stinks because it's too slow, doesn't, doesn't close the game out fast enough, or whatever. And like, you, you need like the big-end ticket like Hilda as a reason to go into blue-white. And I think they knew that, and thus they nerfed the rest of it. Whereas, you know, you, you would argue that the, the black-red rats commanders aren't nearly as potent, right? Like, think about it. Like, there's the there's a mono-black rat commander we talked about last week that, yeah. you know, has got some incidental mm-hmm. graveyard hate. You can get Totentaz, who's okay, I guess, if you want to get into, like, rat sacrifice loops. Yeah. But, like, n- neither of them provide anything close to the sort of, like, just ridiculous Swiss army knife potential that you, you get with Ilda. Um, that's got creatures built into it. It's got card draw built into her. So I mean, like you get like, you look at it from a design perspective and you're like, Hilda is clearly a better card than Totentaz, but the archetype for black red is far better supported because, you know, you're not getting this oppressive, like stats abilities stapled to your to your to your you know signpost mythic or rare card to it. So anyway, yeah. that's neither so, here nor there. Yeah. So just one last thing, and then let's move on. Um, yeah. I think I think we've talked about this enough. I think in terms of power level for commanders, for new commanders that are in this set, not counting the commander product, but just from this actual uh, wild set. The, the the most powerful ones in my humble opinion, and this is just my opinion. Uh Rowan, Scion of War, Talon the Kindly Lord, and Hilda. I think they're the top three. I think all the other cards are decent. Um, but in terms of like overall power level, draw cards, slash create advantage for yourself, they're the they're the they're the bee's knees, as they say. So that's that's just how I feel. Um you can fight me on Twitter, but I don't have Twitter later. <laughs> um <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, without beating the the, the horse uh, more than we have, I think, um, I think they didn't realize how powerful it is as a commander concept. But they realized in in draft they didn't want to oppress the format because mm. like I've drafted blue white in two drafts now, right? I did spirits in the Instrad uh, Crimson Val, and I just crushed mm. everybody. And I did uh, soldiers as well, 
So it was like they realized how powerful those two colors are together in a limited format and a constructed format. So they nerfed it a bit to allow for other form other color combos to sort of yep. balance balance it out. Um and actually any color combination is really good. Like I built an Izzet deck, I'm not very good with Izzet in uh in um draft recently, and I'm currently like four and oh and I just been killing everybody, like crushing everybody. Like just not it's not even fair. Nice. So I'll show you the yeah. deck list another time. But anyway, well, my excitement for this set is over the moon too. I love this set. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, let's go to an old Excellent. favorite though. Let's go to an old yeah. alternate win con. I know. Have you heard of this card? This is from Prophecy, all right? It's, I have it's, never uh, heard of this card. What is this? this is, uh, what is this card? So this card is called Celestial Convergence. Okay, it's a, it's an old enchantment. It's two colorless and it's two white mana. It's um only two dollars as well. It enters with seven omen counters on it. At the beginning of your upkeep, remove an omen counter from it. If there are no omen counters on it, the player with the highest life total wins the game. If two or more players are tied for the highest life total, the game is a draw. <laughs> so what are your first impressions of this card, Bruce? Jesus, this card is so slow. Oh my god. So, you need to find a way to remove omen counters seven. from Celestial Convergence. So remove seven of them. To make this card be good, um, because like what you like, the way I see this play is that you are going to like be a life gain deck, and then you need to resolve this, and then find a way to get the counters off of it. So does what is, what does Vampire Hex Mage work? Um, oh man, I don't even know. There's there's How? a few cards out there. There's a vampire that's six mana in. Uh... One of the yeah, so you, so so vampire hex mage would be so you're playing a black white deck with like which is a pretty good life gain combo. Um, cemetery uh, cemetery desecrator is another one mm -hmm. that you can. That's a new one that you can use. Um, yeah, solemnity is another one. So like those. That's where I'm going with this. I I think hex parasite I, as well. Yeah, hex parasite. Yeah, I think. I think the card is hilarious. Like it's so funny. It's like, right. yeah, highest life total. Like, really? Like that is that's and if you can <laughs> enable if you can enable the removal of those omen counters, this card could be hilarious. People are gonna get just a, like an alternate win condition like that is just so so funny. Um so I think the card is is like has meme value to it. Um, I just think for the quality of the card, it's still a lot of setup cost to get you to the point where you can win. So you need a couple of different things to work together in order to make the, pull pull the whole shebang off. <laughs> and that really does leave you in a spot where you're vulnerable to having a backfire. And I mean, I guess in the worst case scenario is if you try and remove the counters and and, they, and, the, and you're foiled, you just now have to draw the game out. But drawing the game out for seven turns to remove all those counters is a big ask, to say the least. I mean, it reminds me of, like, Aloro, right? Aloro is a very, very boring commander that usually doesn't have a fast way to win the game. Mm -hmm, so I guess this is a nice way, a fun way, I would say, to try to win the game in a way that people don't see normally. Yeah, um, for sure about that, for sure. So, like, I mean, it's not perfect, right? It's one of those weird enchantments um, that, like, I would love to see in a game one day because it'd just be funny. Because it's like everyone's in a race, like a very slow race, but we're all in this race together. And I think it sort of is one of those communal sort of cards that 
makes the game enjoyable. So it appears in uh, Aralwa Samite Master. Three white white for a 2-3. Cleric Legend. X and tap. Choose one. Prevent the next X damage to be dealt to target creature's turn. Or gain X life. Spend only white mana this way. <laughs> this seems like objectively like hard to build around. I think, I mean, I would not play this in mono white. I would be like, I'd be playing this in, like, I don't know, like, straight, like, I guess a, a straight, like, uh, a straight black-white deck, a black-white life gain deck, and I'm looking to, like, dump the counters off of it. <laughs> like, that's what I'm seeing. But, like, it's in 99 decks of Aloro, 95 de 99 decks of Aloros. So it's, like, less than 1% of all Aloro decks are running this. What about Perry uh, the Pulverizer? Does anybody run it in that deck? Doesn't even doesn't even show on the list. Doesn't even track. Oh, interestingly enough, right? That's a neat way but, to use that and utilize it. And interesting. But it appears. But because it appears in Glunch. That's awesome. <laughs> so like it, it all just it all just comes full circle. All the good cards are played in that deck. <laughs> yeah, apparently all the good green white cards show up in Glunch. <laughs> All right, let's move on to um, what what our main sort of discussion is, which is the sort of subjective way that we look at salt, and not yeah. table salt, and not sea salt, and and not seasoning what, for food. What about Himalayan salt? Cards. Himalayan that's some salt? good stuff too, actually. The pink like salt is good, good, man. Yeah, it's good stuff. <laughs> yeah. like, I like it. Like, like the I used to cook with it. Anyway, um, mm. yeah. So we're talking about salty, <laughs> salty decks and salty cards. In uh, which is because I saw a tw I saw a tweet on X, I guess it's now called not Twitter. Um, what formerly no one was Twitter. Um, and it basically was asking the, the question like, what of your which of your decks are the saltiest? And it sort of got me thinking like, what makes a deck salty? What characteristics do salty decks sort of have? Um, is it worth our while to have salty decks or de decks that induce salt in our arsenals? Like, right. um, so I wanted to have a sort of like a little more of a, an in-depth conversation around salty decks. And I think maybe you and I, Pete, are probably not necessarily the greatest people to have this conversation because right. I think you and I, um, and I think, I mean, hopefully the people listening to us are, are, are getting the sense that you and I are at the stage in our playing careers where whether we win or lose the game or not, it really is not why we play the game. No. And so we, when we sit down to play with our friends, yeah. whether it's in person or spell table or whatever, we're really just looking to enjoy our, enjoy some time with our friends and do so, and see something cool happen. That's what we really want to see. And um, so at the end of the day, like if we win, if I win the game, like I don't care. If I lose the game, right. I generally am not too bent over it. Um, and so. Consequently, so my understanding of what a salty card is is probably different than lots of players. Now, that doesn't mean there's certain cards I don't like seeing or certain archetypes I'm not, I'm not particularly a big fan of, but I don't think I'm really a great representative of what salty decks are like because I just don't give a hoot. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. I think um, my, my perspective has changed. So, like, 
I used to, I'm very competitive, like just naturally. Uh, I've mm-hmm. always been that way. Um, even if I don't see it, I've noticed it recently, like where I think I don't actually care about a situation, but I end up caring a lot. So I've always cared a lot in general about mm-hmm. whatever I'm passionate about um, to the point of where, you know, it could be obsessive or whatever. So I've tried to dial it back over the years, right? Balance myself out anyway. But um, in this case, playing with people that have been playing all kinds of different things and like exposing me to more ways to play this uh, beautiful game that we like to play has desensitized me to like feeling upset when something crazy happens. Like I've been in games now where Decree of Annihilation came out and no one could win the game because no one could attack each other, uh, which was funny. Or like Time Sifter where someone early on cheated it out and they didn't end up taking any extra turns. The guy to my right took three and didn't couldn't do anything really with the extra turn. Um, it, but it was it was just <laughs> funny. It was just a funny situation because I think the people I were I was playing with just they just don't care as much. Like they just want to do some fun, weird, janky thing that you don't you're not gonna see every single day. But it takes a certain yeah. kind of person to desensitize themselves from this inherent nature of us that we want to win and be the best um yeah in any format that we play so yeah. i've sort of just pulled the reins back because i've been in the situation bruce where people have gotten very salty at me for things that i have played like i remember i played mesmeric orb on turn two in my rutstein deck against a guy in a pod and the dude just conceded and i'm like like really like it's turn four and you're upset that two lands went into your bin it's like i don't like when people mess with my deck and i'm like but everybody's doing it. So I was just thinking to myself, like, I think some people who get really upset at that cards that you would think you and I normally would, wouldn't care much about it, it's because either A, they're not as experienced playing different sorts of formats or different kinds of cards, or their power level is low enough that they'd never seen anything higher than right. what they're at, right? right. So, like, uh-huh. it's like bringing um, a water gun to, I don't know, a paintball tournament. <laughs> in in the sense of like yeah. you're gonna you're gonna get some blows you're gonna it's gonna sting um mm-hmm. we're like bruce and i we've dealt with a lot of that <laughs> with friends that we love to play with and people that really have upset us in the past so i mean what is your experience yeah. you've been playing longer than i've had you've also played at a time where magic was this arms race with like pitch with like toothpicks um so i guess i'd rather hear your side um of this so, coin, yeah you know. i mean so i guess at the time there was a there was a time when there was a number of sort of salty sort of styles of decks running around um you know there's like uh i definitely recall there being quite a bit of salt around like like ural the mist stalker which is now a card which is like essentially obsolete because it was a voltron deck that you was very difficult to interact with right and i remember was, that one was, only yeah, it was it was hard to it was hard to interact with. So people got salty over that sort of stuff. Um, people always get salty over land destruction. Like that's always been a thing. And I think I'm going to be honest with you. I, as somebody who's been playing long enough, I, I recognize land destruction as being um, a valid part of the game. And so I I have less objection to it now than I used to. Um, right. You know, at first I'm like, don't mess with my lands, dude. And I'm like, no, no, it's okay. I get it. I'm. I understand. Like, if you know, if that's. I think. I think the only thing I care about is if you're going to target my lands, 
is that you have a plan to get me dead fast. So right. I don't sit here and and watch a spinner like top deck. Oh, didn't draw land. Sorry, guys. Like that that to me I think is salt inducing when sure. no one can no one can advance the game. But mm-hmm. if you can do something and demonstrate to me that you can leverage it to your advantage, I'm like, I have no problem with it. Like it makes it's a strategy. You're reasonable to deploy it. Um but I think like sort of like the common characteristic is the stuff that people get really salty about is like stuff that people really have a, a hard time answering. Um, sure. Like an, really omniscience, time. like an omniscience where you cast it and then yeah. you literally can't, you can't, you can't kill it. You just can't, you can't kill it. You, can't, you, can't, right. you, don't even, you, don't, you don't even get a chance, right? You don't get a chance yeah. to do anything. You're just like, done. Um, so like, I think that's what drives most people to being um, like salty. So things like Winter Orb that tap down your stuff. And so now you really are not able to advance the game, address it. Like unless you have a piece of removal right in hand right now, like you really can't do much about it. I mean, the same why people get frustrated with Vorinclex, um, Voice of Hunger, like because it just it just stops you from being able to do what you want to do because your land is never untapped. So those are the cards that people get really upset about and, and, and salty about, and it's my experience. Um, and I, I would sort of agree, like, you know, and I was still in my early years playing, if I wasn't allowed to play my game and play my cards, then I got salty. So things that really precluded that drive, would drive me crazy. Um, I think we have to remember as well that uh, these types of cards although rare that people play them if you just look at it in like i'm just playing a card game and okay this thing happened in this i think we attach like it's natural right we we get attached to this stuff right we really care about this product that we're putting out in a sense right we really care that this that this deck we created this thing we made ourselves is going to run Right, because we're like, what are we doing otherwise? Are we wasting our time? But I think yeah. if you look at it as a way of like, like a learning experience in general, um, like when Winter Orb sticks in in a pod that I play in, I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I just need to, I just need to take my. I, this rarely happens, of course, because I haven't seen it in like maybe two years now, maybe three. Mm-hmm. But when it ha- when it happens, uh, sometimes um, in like the odds and ends LGS situation. I just find myself laughing to myself because I'm like, all right, now I just I'm gonna destroy it eventually. I'm just gonna be very sneaky as to how I remove it, right? I'm I'm not gonna play five spells in a turn where people are so used to rapid fire playing everything in commander. Where now you really have to think like, how do I leverage this in 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 my situation to help me? Um, right. So like, yeah. just don't play anything for three turns, right? Or like smothering tithe, right? Or Ristic Study. Yeah. Like, there are times where mm-hmm. I played a Ristic Study and I've gotten no cards out of it because people were smart enough to just not play anything. Or play yeah. a thing yeah. and pay for it. And then they would just pass turn with mana open every turn. And that's mm-hmm. not a bad thing. I think that's just a better player. You know what I mean? I think it's just people realizing that like these are just like puzzles you have to solve. <laughs> I remember Alex yeah, Mason no, used to say that all the time. He used to say, like, it's just a puzzle I have to figure out. It's just something I have to solve while I play the game. Um, so it's one of those situations where like, I think we look at it differently because we've been playing for so long now and different formats. Like limited mm-hmm. actually limited frustrates me more 
because it feels really bad to get flooded for seven turns when you had a chance to win the game. Really, Commander, it's like, eh, I mean, eh, your deck can't work every single time. The variance is just too great. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So I, I definitely think definitely think on my end, the thing, like things today that still leave me uh, frustrated and where I do think that things get things salty are things that I still cannot interact with. But sure. I now recognize more and more are things that, like, there's most things I can't interact with. But what I can't are emblems. And I find when emblems happen, or mm -hmm. conversely, the experience counters from the set, you know, whatever year that was, 2015, I think, was the year with Marin and Azuri. Eminence and, ones? No, not Eminence. Oh, the experience uh, counters overall. The experience counters on, like, Marin of Clan Del Toth and mm -hmm. Azuri Claw of Progress. Those ones really frustrate me because there's no way to effectively remove the experience counters. And in those decks, once they've accrued enough of them, there's a critical there's a point where it is, it's a critical point where there's there's you just can't. And now they just stomp you. Um a great example is like the Azuri deck. The Azuri deck, like if you build that thing right and you eventually will find the infinite turn combo because you put dump enough counters on your stage of hours and win. And like that to me frustrates me because I'm like, I want to interact with your with your emblem or your mm -hmm. your 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 experience counters, and I can't. Um, you know, another one is like so. I remember a game where I was playing a number of years ago, a game where I ended up taking. I was I was pretty much cooked because early on in the game there was um, oh the artifact that stifles uh, end of the battlefield triggers oh. Mm -hmm. Anyway, there was a card that there was a card that stifled end of the battlefield triggers. Oh, a tor is so, it tor torpor orb? Yeah, torpor orb. Yeah, it was, torp it was a torpor orb. And so I went and cast a um, I went and cast my it's a Eldrazi uh, inverter of truth. So it's black black two for a six six flyer. But when you when it enters the battlefield, you exile your your deck and you flip back over your graveyard. So you like just dumpster so many cards in, in, like out of play, and presumably if you do it like in the mid to late game, you could you know get your good spells back, and you've already drawn the land, so you're just drawing gas. Well, I got dumpstered early in the game, and so I was pretty much I was pretty much out of the game because um, I was playing with like a deck of twenty two cards or something like that. By the time I mm. was you know. But meanwhile, the blue-white control player is sitting over there, and he ultimates Dovin Bond. And so Dovin Bond's ultimate, which I think people have forgotten about, reads like this. Um, so Dovin Bond is two white-blue for a three-loyalty planeswalker. And then there's a plus one that you have up to next turn, up to one target creature gets minus three, minus oh, and minus one that says you gain two life and draw a card. And then minus seven, you get an emblem with your opponents, can't untap more than two permanents, during their untapped steps. So I remember this game very being being very drawn out. And because I had so few cards in, in hand or in, in my deck, the other players discounted me for being essentially a non-factor. And I ended up taking second place where the Dovin Bond player had to knock me out um, because I was able to cobble together enough of a threat to do, but I, I just didn't go quietly into the night. But I couldn't get over how I 
was unable to interact with his Dovin bond and because it's an emblem and it's just very, it's, it's just so stifling to not be able to, like, that's essentially uh winter orb right there. Right. That's winter orb effects. Yeah. yeah. So you, you get a winter orb on a, on a, on a planeswalker disgusting. And well, so it was, it was yeah. a very frustrating experience that particular night. Yeah. I mean, uh, emblems are, you know, annoying like like the chandra uncounterable emblem where it just stacks every single turn um yeah or i was able to do this recently in a game where i got venser um the blue white one to alt twice so every time i cast a spell i could exile two permanents oh my goodness um, so like that was kind of ridiculous i ended up killing everybody with like a ink moth nexus land because i literally couldn't do anything else i didn't draw anything um, to like speed the game up so yeah i could see that being annoying um i think it's more so again just the perspective right like okay the guy gets the mm -hmm. emblem what are you gonna do um it's one of those situations where like there's not much you can really do except laugh about it and well yeah up and I mean, play again the, you know at the, at the end of it that's what we could, all we could do was like ah uh, so i was holding on trying to see if like well maybe uh i was pretty clear i wasn't gonna with the win um, I mean, I'll use the example this past weekend, same thing. I was playing on Saturday night and my brother is playing Orvar and mm -hmm. Orvar is a very difficult deck to play against. And he ended up having a situation where he had six Orvars on the battlefield, um, <laughs> through various means. Yes. And so I had been able to build a pretty good board state. Um, I was using Tatiova steward of tides, which is the three mana, Tatiova from Dominaria uh, United. And Tatiova is pretty interesting uh, because she makes you an armada of flying 3 threes. And so I had a really pretty sizable air armada. And I looked at George and I said, George, if I attack you, am I going to lose all my creatures because you're going to blink whatever you were blinking to bounce all my tokens or bounce all my lands and like leave me totally out to lunch he's like yes i will so i was trying to find a way to balance like knocking georgia my brother and the other two players without making it so obvious to george that i was going to have to like not try and try and knock him out like explicitly because if i did just target george well he would have like triggered like blinked orvar or blinked whatever it was with and make copies of things with orvar and then next thing you know I'm stuck with a whole bunch of like derpy things and then my lands are all gone and my game is totally sewered. So sure. I was trying to be sneaky about it and like, but I was pretty sure I was cooked and that Orvar was going to get to get the win. And sure enough, he did the next turn, like the Triskelion that he had. Oh yeah. And the dozen Sol rings, you know, was enough to convince me that I was probably dead to rights. Um, but um, yeah, but the long and the short of it is like, I found like the experience difficult to try and like really play for anything other than second place. And well, second place is what I got. So anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah I guess it's a, like, it's a matter of perspective. I, I, again, um, and then just, I think being patient with ourselves, right? Like let's like, like take care of yourself. You know, if you're finding yourself being a frustrating audience, frustrated audience about cards that are being played or, archetypes that you don't enjoy like like maybe landfall really upsets you or something because of how much value they create in such a short amount of time 
Um, mm. You know, or like maybe, maybe you just very much dislike, I don't know, Flicker or counter spells, counter spells or planeswalkers or yeah, a specific permanent type or something. I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe play remember... oh, go something. Ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say maybe just play like some a different format or just see like how how um how you can expand the game a little bit for yourself. Um, mm-hmm. So you're not get, not feeling frustrated, uh, yeah. you know, because there are times where even the best players in the world get frustrated. It's a natural thing, but when it becomes a thing that destroys a playgroup or makes people upset um, in the long term, then maybe maybe it's time to step away for a bit, take some time off. You know, I, I did that yeah. for a bit, and it actually felt really nice because I my, I found my like love for the game to expand, so that was good. Um, yeah. But, no, yeah. I think that's really because I think that's really good advice there. Um, yeah, like you have to be, be self-reflective enough to identify that you are losing your temper and you're getting salty at at your opponents. Um, and if that's the case, and and you and you and you can't seem to work past it, well, take a break. There's nothing wrong with taking a break. I go, you know, months at a time where I'm not as as engaged in playing or building or collecting and it's probably healthy for us all to to be in that situation um you know the it's a game after all it's supposed to be for fun and if it's not fun then you know unless you're playing for big time money like in and where it's your job and you're a professional like if you're like me and pete and you're playing on the on the weekend because you want to spend some time with the boys and it's kind of something fun to do well then Take it for what it is. Like I look at magic now as my as a social outlet, where I can sit down with my friends. Whether it's my sit down with four buddies on spell table because we all have kids that it makes it easier for us to to play conveniently, or you know if we can if we can manage it to get together in person and play and enjoy playing in person. Either way, like it's just an opportunity for me to sit down with my friends and enjoy the experience. And so the salt I find is not conducive to me enjoying my experience so when i sit down and play and i think pete likes playing with me because i don't get salty he, he routinely stomps me with all his funky decks and i get i don't it's like i just take it like and i think you know having played with him and alex which he's, who's been on the show and uh we've mentioned on more than a few occasions as being uh particularly uh ingenious with his brews hmm. um you know, we get a pretty good situation where if he used to stomp me with Quain all the time. Oh my goodness, Quain was a problem. Uh, which sounds like so silly because it's like such a cute little blue-white bunny rabbit. And then you knew nothing good was going to happen. He's like, oh, you want to draw a card, Bruce, and gain a life? Yeah, I'd love to. They're, uh, they're, they're Mason. Oh, I'm just going to, you know, hull breacher you and then I'm going to, uh, you know fascination everybody for a bajillion i'm like oh <laughs> yeah never mind like, like i'm done <laughs> <laughs> well like we we've had really good times where people have played some really messed up things against us but mm-hmm. we still had a good time because we we knew that like we didn't take it personally because when you take it yeah. personally that's when it becomes more than just a game um yeah so not long. if 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 i leave the audience with anything it's just just don't take yourself too seriously, please. It, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't help. Sorry. It hurts more than it helps. 
And and I think just going to the core of, like, why you play this game, answering that question will probably help in putting things into perspective when things get challenging, when cards are played that are deemed unfair um, to you. Um, Just remember that we've all probably been there with specific cards. And uh, we're all growing and learning together when it comes to this game, especially with the way cards are learning, like, with, like, how we're trying to interact. I mean, the game is evolving in the last 5 to 10 years, 20 years, all right? Like, so we have to adapt, and it's hard. And it's a a difficult thing, but it's, it's why we come back every year, you know, for every box opening, for every streamer. Um, yeah, yeah. For, for every format warping card, like Ag- Agatha Soul Cauldron. <laughs> you know, so. I, I don't know. Is, is, is that warping? Anyway. No, one of the things that you, let, you list, listed here, Pete, I thought was really interesting, was a website called Commander Salt that goes and measures or tries to quantify how much salt your deck is going to produce um, from, from, you know, the list. And I mean, it's, I think it's kind of funny that, um, like it's, it's, it tries to measure it. There's also a salt score on, uh, EDH rec, which I think is also kind of funny to look at too, but, um, you know, so we've got some pretty interesting things that are out kicking around. So I'll just give an example. Like, um, like we've, we, Pete and I have been playing around with this website now where we've gone and put some, some decks into it. And uh, let's give you guys a, hit, like a sense. Like the Hilda deck that I brewed today, you know, had a pretty low salt score, like a C plus. Like that's not particularly salty, but it's also not particularly powerful. Um, the... You Pete put in like a red green uh, werewolves deck where again very low salt score. Um, uh, only it had a D plus for salt score, but was a little bit higher power level wise. Um, you know, and just just generally as a rule, it's like is more. It's an inter- an interesting way of kind of quantify the notion of salt and how salty things and decks are going to be. Uh, do you, what, what do you want to share with like like? How much do you know about this, like Commander Salt? Like, have you? Yeah. Is this something you you refer to when you build, or not at all? It's more of like someone put it in one of the Discord servers I'm in and was joking around about it, and I was like, "This is funny and interesting." So I'm gonna just throw some decks in there and just see, like, what they say about it. But it's an algorithm that, like everything else, is not perfect. So no, it's not. Like my decks senior are a lot lower than I think they are because when I actually play them, I'm the pilot, right? And this is my this is my airplane, right? I'm the captain, this is my ship. Or like yeah. an algorithm that relies on other people's sub- subjective knowledge of the game really doesn't tell you the whole story. Um, oh, no. So I think it's a really neat tool. I think like everything else, Architect, Moxfield, all of the other ones that have the salt scores are an interesting way to look at cards, but I don't think you should use it as like your, I can play this card or I can't play this card. You should talk to your playgroup <laughs> first. Yeah. I'm so. looking at the salty, uh, the, uh, the saltiest cards and 
it's like I'm not surprised by any of these cards either. Most of these cards are cards that are kind of no fun or OP or ruin the game. So like Stasis, Winter Orb, Static Orb, Vornclax, yeah. you know, Wind Conditions like Expropriate and Thassa's Oracle, Land Destruction like Armageddon, Jocklehobs, Obliterate, Devastation, Ravages of War. You see a trend there. The mass yeah. land hate is like not appreciated. <laughs> so, you know, and then yeah. eventually you end up with things like Dockside Extortionist and Urza, Lord High Artificer, um, as being, you know, high end targets for this too. So, no, I just, it's interesting to have the, like, think about like salt and like what we, how we build things and how we respond to, to decks when we see things that are powerful. I think it's a really interesting conversation to have and, um, you know, something for people to th- to think about as they are, you know, sitting down to play their next game. You know, if what happens if something pretty busted happens, how are you going to react? Are you going to be respectful, considerate, kind, and all that stuff, and like to make the experience good for like that guy who just did something cool? You know, did he has he has he done has he done the same cool thing? three weeks in a row now at FNM or is it like, you know, a new player first time out did something cool, you know, how are you going to measure that or just like interact with that? So basically just how to be a decent human being. If you lose. <laughs> sure. Anyway, I think it's a, uh, it's a good conversation to have. And I think it's good for players to sit down and reflect upon. Really, and really sit down and think about how they do stuff because I think that makes a big difference. I agree. Anything else you want to say on salt, or I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, I, th- I think we've covered covered it. Um, again, it's a topic that it it's different for me and you. Um, every player is different in their perspective on things yeah. and what's fun and what's not. I mean. There are plenty of situations where I've been on both ends, right? Where I've gotten upset or where I've made people upset. Um, sometimes I like to push people's buttons if I deem them to be jerks um, for whatever reason. Some people choose to play things that uh, make it so other players cannot play the game. Um, so I don't really take kindly to that as much. If that happens every game, that's when it's. I think it's a problem. But if you do it once or whatever, mm-hmm. I don't care. Yeah. Um, but normally, I just try to play my game, you know. I, I, and even if everything is horrible, and then winter winter orb is out, and land and static orb is out, and you know, I'm just sitting there and I can't do anything. I'm still just enjoying the the moment. I, I at least I try to. Um, so I think I think I'm the same way. Yeah. I just want to enjoy the experience and just have fun and like try and keep keep it in mind for what it is. Like there's no, there's it's an. I mean, I think you know as I get older, like unproductive or unhelpful emotional outbursts just don't get you anywhere. They get you, your friends annoyed with you. Right. You know, you're not invited back to play the next time, which you know what is worse than just taking the, taking the L. Like if you're, a, if you're an absolute jackass about how you lose the game, you know, what's going to happen. You're not going to get invited back next time. And now you have to find people to play with again, which and you know what? As hard, as easy as it is, like you know, spell tables enabled that a lot. Like p- playing with other people 
in person is hard. Like you've got to find people to play with. And if you don't have an LGS right in your community, because, Hey, you live 75 kilometers from the nearest LGS, which is where I'm at. Or they have like a, like a paywall. So it's like $10 to play every single time. I mean, and you know, they're, there are they have a league, so you know people are going to bring their CDH decks to casual pods. Um, oh my god! It's yeah. uh, yeah. you know, it's I I think like when I used to go drafting, right? My perspective started to change when I started to draft because that's when all the pressure is there, right? That's yeah. when you're like, I want to be, I want to do well, I want to do the thing, I want to earn some of my money back or whatever. That's when I was yeah. like, you know, Commander is just that format where. I'm having fun. Like I'm just enjoying yeah, the exactly. game. I'm enjoying the game within the game, right? Like I'm enjoying the politics. I'm enjoying the people. I'm enjoying the stupid conversations we're having about uh, Taylor Swift's new album or something. But um, <laughs> you know, but like, but or, like or or you know. or when I or when I, or when I take a mark a sharpie on a piece of paper and write a rude message to my friend on it. It's like, put it on the camera. It's like, let him read it. Like, yeah. yeah or like in one of the, and one of the, one of the groups, um, we joke around with this one guy and we just, we have an inside joke with like C dash or octopus. Um, and after the show, Bruce, I'll tell you why, but the, the joke, <laughs> the joke is like not very appropriate for the audience, but you know, these are the things that you remember, right? Like we're drafting. I remember wins and losses and I remember horrible experiences I had where I had a good deck on paper, but I lost every game. Um, or I remember yeah. great experiences where like my friend and I got to play against each other and we were literally like nail biting to the end because we were both super close neck and neck to win that round. Um, that's when you should be more serious. But I think, I think just naturally we become more invested in something we put so much money and effort and time into. Um, that's when salt starts to become a thing. But it doesn't have to be, you know. It doesn't really have to be. So, All right. I think we've I think at this point we're, accomplished. Yeah, I think we, we need to yeah, accomplish. I think, I think, I think we've always said everything we need to say. So I guess we're going to wrap it up, everybody. Thanks very much, everybody, for, stick, for sticking with us and joining us for the conversation. Really enjoyed it. Um, thanks very much, Pete, for uh, for for the conversation. I always, I always, I always like talking to Pete. Pete's that's uh, uh, one of my highly sweetheart. Movie. Thank Aww. you so much. Um, um, and you know, find find anything you need in the show notes uh, for this show. And if you have any suggestions, we are always open to suggestions for topics, for uh, just general cards to discuss, uh, format warping cards, etc. We'd love to yeah, talk it sure. here on this podcast indeed all right everybody thanks very much have yourself a great week uh and have fun wherever you next play magic thanks very much everybody take care have a good one we'll talk to you soon bye have a good night have a good day and uh you know take care of yourself stay safe out there